Welcome to the Better You Project, where we will be discussing health, hormones, and aesthetics while using a blend of functional and anti-aging medicine. To make sure you're up to date on this and what's going on in the practice, be sure to follow us on Instagram at udirecthealth underscore aesthetics, as well as our website, www.udirecthealth.com. The following discussion is the opinion of nurse practitioner Lexi Yu. It is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. Please speak to your healthcare provider for your personal concerns about your health. Now let's jump right into the show. What's up, everybody? It's Wednesday, it's Lexi, and it's time for episode two of the Better You Project, Optimizing Health, Hormones, and Aesthetics. So today's episode is um, gonna be a good one. We're gonna be talking about um, how I am doing with my in-bodies as far as peptides, dietary changes. We get a lot of questions about this, especially on our Instagram. What the heck is a peptide and where this is coming from and what is it gonna do for me Uh, I actually had a question yesterday, how is this different from a pellet? So my goal in this episode is to really kind of delve into some of the uh, differences that I've noticed using some of the peptides and some of the things I've noticed using it with my patients. And lastly, what are some of the results I'm seeing on my in-body? So to get started, um, what's hard being a clinician in this type of space is I'm often my lab rat. So uh, I have been experimenting with something called CJC 1295 plus Ipamorelin. And what that is, is a amino acid, it's a 29 amino acid peptide hormone that basically allows your body to stimulate its own growth hormone secretion. So this is not HGH. So before you get excited, it is not HGH. It is a 29 amino acid that helps your body, hello, make its own growth hormone. Um, the second component of it is called ipamorelin. And what that does is it helps your body release the growth hormone. So CJC increases the growth hormone, growth hormone, ipamorelin helps it release, right? And why are we using these things? So um, I have been starting to use it um, for, I, actually I was using it for sleep. I thought that that would be a good way to help with recovery and sleep, um, but it also has some really cool benefits. Some of the biggest benefits that that are um, researched with it are increased lean muscle mass, increase in strength, decrease in body fat percentage, um, promoting uh, muscle recovery. That's probably one of the biggest things that I like to use it for, especially in my CrossFitters, my marathon runners, my Ironman, um, or just my people who look, like I'm not training for anything. I'm training for life and I just want to not feel sore anymore. So this is a really, really great peptide for that. Um, so kind of let me give you some background history. So uh, I like to do experiments on myself. I like to do them with in-bodies and I like to do them with blood work because as a clinician, I feel like that truly helps me better help my patients. So if you had been following me for a while, uh, back in August, I had done 60 days of keto and really the goal was to try to reduce my hemoglobin A1C. Um, I have a strong family history of diabetes. Both sides have it. My dad's a diabetic. And so really my goal is to try to overcome some of my genetics, right? So I'm trying to hack my own health to overcome what my genetics are doing. I love the quote, genetics load the gun and then your lifestyle pulls the trigger. So I'm really trying to work on the whole trigger piece of it. So, um, in August, I had an in-body initial keto done, and uh, my initial starting weight was 122.4, which is really kind of where I normally sit. So, so the rest of the breakdown on that, um, I had 48.1 pounds of skeletal muscle mass. I was at 29.1% body fat, 
And um, so what I did was, is I did initial 30 days of keto. My goal was 25 net carbs or less a day. Um, this was the second time I had done a 60 day keto challenge on myself. This time I was far more prepared. I knew what to expect. So I made sure I had some keto, uh, what they call it keto brain, which is just basically some extra electrolytes on board, keto salt to make sure that I wasn't going to get the keto flu. Um, I had some extra, they call them power greens, which are little capsules that you can take to make sure that I was getting extra um, nutrients that I wouldn't be getting through fruit. So four weeks in, um, everything was going okay. Definitely not as bad as it was the first time. And then I got my second in body and my uh, weight honestly stayed about the same. I was 122.1. So maybe lost 0.3 pounds, which in the grand scheme of things is not a whole huge of a difference. Skeletal muscle mass, I went up 0.2 pounds in four weeks. And then my body fat percentage actually dropped. It went from 29.1% to 28.6. So that was four weeks into this keto. Then four weeks later, again, you know, keep grinding with the keto, less than 25 net carbs a day, um, you know, increasing majority of my fats, trying to keep protein not as much as what I normally do and then that in body showed a weight loss of a of a, about a pound which again not a huge difference but unfortunately I'd lost a little bit of muscle my skeletal muscle mass which had gone up initially went down so it was 48.3 initially or sorry after the four week one and then dropped to 47.8 and then the body fat percentage honestly stayed about the same so even though I lost fat I lost a little bit of muscle which is also going to affect body fat percentage so that happened kind of around uh, Halloween. And then after that, I was kind of like, all right, I'm just going to kind of take it take it easy, which I am true, true, true believer of um, nutrition periodization. And what I mean by that is really kind of just trying some different styles of nutrition. You know, maybe do 60 days of keto. Maybe, you know, do some intermittent fasting in between that. And then maybe trying, you know, 60 days of, of strict paleo or so, something to that nature. Um, and then in November, so got through Halloween. We were about to get into um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and um, I did an in body and weight stayed about the same so always a big question is okay I'm done with keto how do I go back to eating carbs and not gain a bunch of weight because I see this time and time again in clinical practice patients say oh my god Lexi I lost 60 pounds on keto and then I see them two months later and they're up you know however much more and they're like well I just went back to my old lifestyle well, you can't do that. Unfortunately, my goal is is that you learn a little something along the way. And that's truly why I like to do these challenges on myself because I feel like every time I do something, I learn something new, which will allow me to better help educate my patients so they can do it the right way. So then in uh, November, at the end of November, um, I got another in-body done. And here's what was kind of interesting. My weight, exactly about the same. I was 121.2 in October. I was 120, sorry, 121.2 in October, 121.5 in November. My skeletal muscle mass, though, went back up. I went from 47.8 to 48.7. So I put a little bit more muscle on. Well, at that point, I actually had started peptides, and I was about four weeks onto these peptides. And so, again, going back to what do they do? They actually help your body start burning fat and they help your body put on muscle and I'm like okay maybe a fluke maybe I just started eating carbs and so my energy you know my life was back again I was back you know maybe lifting a little heavier in the gym but again we had just gone through thank we're getting through Thanksgiving and Halloween and literally I I wasn't tracking any macros I was maybe doing some intermittent fasting but nothing crazy body fat again dropped 28.6 to 27.5 all right so here we are got through Thanksgiving we're now we're now uh, approaching Christmas time right so I got another in-body, and here we go. We went from 21.5 on the weight to 24.5, so definitely up. 
but again, like I'm not stressing about it because it's the holidays and as long as I stay consistent with my workout, I know that everything's going to be all right. Skeletal muscle mass went from 48.7 to 49.4. So again, I had put on basically a whole nother pound of muscle in those four weeks. What's interesting though is my body fat went up 0.5 and that's mainly because again, I was basically eating with reckless abandonment. Just whatever, whenever. Didn't really care because I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, patients are lovely and they bring in traits, uh, Pharmaceutical reps are awesome. They want to know if we want coffee. So at the time, I'm like, sure, go ahead, add on that whip, and we'll just see you at the office. Um, So again, I was doing the peptides. I was definitely noticing sleep was a lot better. Recovery was a lot better. I was not as sore as I normally uh, am, which is awesome. And I definitely noticed like mental clarity and focus were also things that were improving. But again, it could be because I'm not stressing about what I'm eating or, you know, I'm not dieting. I'm, I'm literally, I mean, just literally eating intuitively. Um, so that's kind of where I was in, in December, early December. Now, these girls in my office want us to do a health challenge. And so, of course, they're like dragging me along. You got to do it with us. I'm like, okay, fine. So here I am now, you know, basically three months on these peptides. And um, they're working. And I got on the scale. And here I am, the heaviest I've ever been. Trying not to freak out. But I'm a girl, so we all freak out. My weight was 126.9, and I can't believe I'm saying this in the podcast what my weight is, but, you know, in the name of science, I'm doing it. Here's what's crazy. So if you recall, back in in the keto eight-week mark, I had lost muscle mass. I went down from 48.3 to 47.8, which is in a huge loss, but again, not the direction I want to go. So I had lost a little bit of muscle mass initially, but here I am now three months later, and I'm my skeletal muscle mass is 50.9. So in this time period, I've put on two, almost three pounds of muscle, and my body fat percentage has dropped from 29.1 to 27.4. So let that sink in for a second. I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but I'm also the leanest I've ever been, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy, bonkers. I never would have guessed it had I not done the data on myself. Um, and then, and then the question becomes, well, are you working out the same? Are you, you know, are you, everything is the same. I'm still getting tortured at 6am by, you know, the programming that I follow. I'm taking all the same supplements. I'm doing all the same things. I wasn't following any diet in particular. I was maybe doing like 14 hours of intermittent fasting, maybe five days a week, um, because that works for me, but nothing, nothing groundbreaking, nothing crazy. I wasn't doing a squat cycle. I wasn't doing a hatch cycle. I wasn't doing any kind of change in my programming. I was literally following the class workout and whatever uh, Bryn Joffrey told me to do, I, for the most part, would try to do it. So I would say the peptides are definitely working in my favor. Now here's where the blood work comes in. So again, I did the in-bodies on, my, on myself and I've done the blood work. So when I started keto, total cholesterol was 174. The goal on that one is always going to be less than 200, right? I went from 174 after eight weeks on keto, jumped to 196, which again, when you're doing keto, you're going to be eating more fat. So unfortunately, those saturated fats are going to make that cholesterol climb. So 174 to 196. Well, here I am now, two months post keto, and my total cholesterol has dropped from 196 to 157. Basically, a drop of 40 points in two months with literally not changing anything in my programming, anything in my vitamin regimen. I've incorporated more carbs back into my diet, but that's pretty much it. 
Triglycerides. So triglycerides is the fat molecule that is typically linked to things like smoking, alcohol, sugar intake, um, processed, processed carbs, those kinds of things. Initial was 52. The goal on this one is to be less than 150. So the initial was 52. It dropped, obviously, if I'm cutting out sugar and carbs, it dropped post week, uh, eight, eight weeks post keto to 47. But then it actually came up to 67 recently. And that is, again, because we just got through the holidays. And I just told you that I really wasn't being any kind of restrictive to what my nutrition was doing. However, if the goal is less than 150 and I'm 67, basically, you know, just, again, eating intuitively, I would say that's pretty good. Pretty good. And here's kind of one of the most amazing pieces that I've seen. Um, HDL. So HDL is, is the good cholesterol. Ideally, 40 or greater is considered normal. I like to keep my patients 60 or greater because if I can get it greater than 60, it actually protects your heart. So my initial HDL prior to starting um, keto was uh, 80, okay, which is awesome, right? Great heart health. Things that affect that are going to be things like your omega-3s, your flax, your chias, your EPA, your DHA, exercise, uh, genetics, um, fish intake, fish oil, those kinds of things. So initially it was 80. And then I dropped, unfortunately, eight weeks post keto to 59, which was super interesting because I stayed on my fish oil. My exercise stayed the same. In fact, I increased my chia seed consumption. So I'm not really sure why that happened. But then here we are eight weeks post out of keto and I'm back up to 76. So I truly feel like peptides had something to do with that. And then here's kind of the final kicker, the LDL, which is your low-density lipid. So we want that to be less than 130 in normal conventional medicine. Honestly, I try to keep my patients about 100. Um, so initially for me, pre-keto, it was 84. Post-keto, it jumped up to 116. And here we are eight, eight weeks post getting out of keto, and I'm down to 68. So the goal is less than 130, less than 100 is ideal, and I'm at 68. Again, kind of just eating intuitively. Not changing my workout regimen and really not not changing my vitamin regimen either. So I thought that was a huge impact on my lipid studies. The final study that I also checked was my hemoglobin A1C. So this is basically the 90-day average of glucose within the red blood cell. So my initial um, hemoglobin A1C prior to starting keto was 5.5. Pre-diabetes is considered 5.7 to 6.4. So again, genetics loads the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. So strong family history. So this is always, for me personally, going to be one of the things that I'm going to focus on. So my initial was 5.5, so about 0.2 away from pre-diabetes. Um, Post-keto, I got down to 4.8, and that's, again, eating less than 25 net carbs a day. A net carb is basically a total carb minus the grams of fiber will equal net carbs. So um, so that drops significantly. So I know it's doable. So if you're listening and you're doing that 30-day challenge and you're considering dropping carbs, it's definitely doable to, to reduce your hemoglobin A1C. I've seen it and I've done it. Um, so 5.5 to 4.8. But then here we are again, like I just said, family history, I've eaten intuitively and basically kind of eaten whatever I wanted. And my hemoglobin A1C went from 4.8 to 5.3. So I'm back up, not back where I was initially. However, definitely back up. So it's just really, really interesting to me just to kind of see the effect that peptides have had along the way of pre-keto, post-keto, basically reversing out of keto. And here we are, January, we're doing a 60-day challenge within my office and it's my office staff and um, Dr. Heiholt's office staff and we're kind of doing this together. So we're kind of just getting our baseline blood work. 
Um, so, so what am I doing? So that's what they said is they're like, okay, any rules that we're setting and, and really nothing in particular as far as nutrition goes. Something that I'm trying to work on myself again is, is really kind of watching my sugar intake just because my body has an affinity for sugar and my uh, family history has a genetic predisposition for it. Um, but one of the things that I've actually done for myself is I've put myself on that candy backed in BR that has berberine in it, which is actually one of the, um, the herbs that I tend to use to help my patients who might have some prediabetes on board. Um, and what that does is it actually helps reduce cholesterol levels and it helps reduce, um, hemoglobin A1C. I was not on any of that during any of this testing on myself or any blood work or anything like that. I've just started that recently. So, um... It'll be really, really interesting to kind of see how these next 60 days goes in regards to what am I doing now and what's the blood work and the uh, in-body going to look like in the next 60 days. So as far as what am I doing to, <laughs> I don't want to say cheat the system, what am I going to do to out-science my, uh, my competitors? So for me personally, I wonder if they'll listen here, but for me personally, I'm doing the candy backed in BR because it's got that berberine in there and that's going to be really good. Not only for cholesterol, which I don't really have a cholesterol issue, but for my sugar, that's kind of like my Achilles heel there. And then um, I'm going to stay consistent with my fish oil. I'm taking two fish oil with omega-3 and um, EPA, DHA daily. I'm going to stay consistent with my probiotics, which are really good for gut health. And then I am also probably going to start taking coratin, um, which is red rice yeast and a plant sterile. So our body does two things with cholesterol. It produces it in the liver and it absorbs it in the gut. And so what plant sterols and red rice yeast do is they actually help stop or help reduce the production of cholesterol in the liver and they help reduce the absorption of cholesterol Um in the gut. So that's what I am personally doing to um, improve my levels because I jokingly, halfway jokingly said to Stacey, I'm like, wow, I'm already great. Like, I don't know how I can make my cholesterol levels any better. So for me, that's not really my focus. My focus is maybe seeing what this body composition change does and seeing what um, what my sugar can do. So, because I love some sugar. Um, so let's talk about these peptides real quick. So I kind of gave you the rundown of what CJC 1295 plus epimoralin is. Um, um, this is a prescription that has to be written by a provider. Um, it goes to a compound pharmacy, a specific compound pharmacy that is certified through the International Peptide Society. That's who I order them from. Uh, you have to be a patient of Udirect Health. This is not like free range, oh yeah, I want a script. You have to come in. I have to have some uh, baseline blood work. I have to go over the education, the pros and the cons, making sure you don't have any risk factors for anything. I like to get a baseline in body because if we're going to be making some body composition changes, I need to see where you're at. So a good baseline assessment um, is going to be is going to be ideal. Um, the peptide itself gets mailed directly to your house and needs to be refrigerated. So you'll stick this in the fridge. In the package of the peptides, you're going to receive um, a little bag of insulin syringes, some alcohol wipes, and then the vial of peptides. You will inject 10 units, is the typical dose um, of CJC plus epimoralin. Um, you'll inject it in your belly, just like almost like you would insulin, 10 units, and you're going to do it five nights a week. When you do it, we ask that you do not eat anything prior. So you want to have at least 90 minutes um, since the last time you ate something before you inject yourself because we want we don't want um, any gut absorption to be going on when um, 
or at least to be triggered when we're doing these peptides. Um, as far as side effects, the only side effect I've ever seen and I've ever had personally is um, sometimes they get a little flush, like almost like a little quick hot flash, or like your face kind of feels sunburned for like maybe a minute and then it goes away and it's pretty quick. As far as what you can expect, you know, how soon am I going to, you know, notice things. I would say when I started doing the peptides, every week was something very subtle. It was nothing like all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh, this is amazing. No, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I do sleep a lot better. You know what? I do feel like I'm a little bit more on point or you know what? I don't feel as sore. What was interesting was when I started my peptides, it was like basically right at the beginning of the CrossFit Open. So I was like, heck yeah, like this is awesome. Um, so I would say week one, your sleep starts to get a little bit better. Week two, recovery starts to notice a little bit better. Week three is like focus. Uh, week four, people notice like their skin starts to improve. And then I would definitely say like week six and beyond that is when you're really going to start to notice those body composition changes, um, improvements of your workouts, definitely hitting PRs, recovery, um, leaning out, starting to see more definition. I mean, that has probably been the biggest thing. And I would say for me personally, I would notice it beyond my eighth week. That's really when I could see like aesthetically, oh yeah, maybe there is something going on there. And then, you know, I'm like, well, is it in my head? Is it not in my head? Well, let me just do the in-body. Unfortunately for me, I have access to those things. Now, to go without saying, you can't just eat crap, not work out, and expect these peptides to do all the magic. Like in a perfect world, that would be awesome. But if you've been at this weight loss game a while, you know that that's not true. So when you come in for that consult, some of the things that we're going to talk about is nutritionally, where do we need to be? Or what are some of the barriers that you and I are going to have to work on together to get you to where you need to be? Um, what are some obtainable goals? I always hate when I have patients <laughs> coming in and they say, I want to lose 20 pounds in a month. And I'm like, well, that's not the way I typically recommend to lose weight because when you lose it rapidly, guess what? You're going to gain it just as rapidly. And not only that, you're going to create a lot of metabolic damage from that. So um, that's some of the things that I personally work on specifically with my patients. We also have um, on-site health coaching with Stacy, who is certified through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, who can also specifically work with you on macro ratios, how to interpret your in-body, and um, meal planning, and, and what are some obtainable goals for you. As far as the in-body, you do not have to be a patient of you. Of, uh, you direct health to get an in-body test. We ask that you do not exercise or eat for at least two to three hours prior to the test. Women should not be on their menstrual cycle. One test is $35. You can buy a package of two for $60 or a package of three for $75. Um, and that will kind of give you the breakdown or at least the baseline of where you're starting. So I'm at about 20 minutes on this podcast and my goal is to always make these podcasts about 20 minutes or less. So quick and dirty, here's what's going on, here's what I'm doing. And if you have any questions, feel free to drop us a message, follow us on Instagram at udirecthealth underscore aesthetics because we frequently post lots of information on there. You can check us out at our website, www.udirecthealth.com. Email us at udirecthealth at gmail.com and we will catch you for the next episode. Thanks.